Hi, I'm Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. So we are live with Jason at Frost Giant Studios. And I kind of purposely try to avoid pronouncing your family name there. It looks, it, well, it sounds very Greek, like uh, yeah. Savopoulos, but please help you, you, me here, okay? No, it's, it, you're definitely correct. Savopoulos is very close. I, I would have been fine with that. So you did good. It's not All right, an easy fantastic. name So, you know, for the people listening in now who's never um, met you or heard about you before, I mean, you got quite a, um, quite an interesting career. I mean, you, if I... If I'm not mistaken, you know, you started, you know, within QA at EA, uh, you know, you moved on to more senior roles, you did producer roles, and then you got to Activision Blizzard in the producer roles. And, you know, and now you're at Frost Giant Studios. And so so the thing is, that, you know what I was thinking? Have you seen the, um, the series, um, um, uh, what's it called now again, uh, on Apple TV? Um yeah, uh, Mythic Quest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, I have. yeah, yeah. You know, it's like your career could be like one of the one of the episodes of Mythic Quest. Uh, you yeah. know, they have these like in between episodes where they talk about you know the rise of a and sometimes fall of a particular person. You know, and in your case, it's mostly rise, right? And you know, you you could definitely make out you know one of those uh, rise kind of journeys. I mean, let's, you know, without going into like your whole resume, um, the move from like Activision Blizzard, which is definitely the dream for, you know, anyone who has any kind of producer dream in the game development industry and, you know, going to more, you know, young upcoming company, you know, maybe you can just tell a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So real quick, Patrick, I want to say thank you for inviting me to this. Uh, uh, I feel honored to be a part of this. So it's really cool. Um, yeah, so I worked at Blizzard for a little over three years um, on the StarCraft II team, then moved over to WarCraft III Reforged, and then finally Hearthstone. Um, huh. And then I knew some of the guys Only big successes, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and so for me, uh, one of the guys here that I know really well, Tim Morton, which is the production director, was saying that he's building a new studio and creating the next great RTS, RTS meaning real-time strategy, and for those on the call that maybe just don't know what real-time strategy is, just to rewind it back a little bit, it's basically a, a video game where you are the commander on a battlefield, uh, creating units, building structures, attacking the enemy, and owning that whole plethora of fun uh, to execute a, a game plan and strategy. So for us, making the next one uh, is something that's really big. So when he gave me a call, I literally jumped at the opportunity and came right over to Frost Giant. Uh, that's awesome. And I mean, I should probably say that me personally, um, the kind of games that I, you know, I'm very happy with any kind of like first person shooter games, but I always be way better at, you know, the real time strategy games. So, you know, it goes back all the way to like playing like, you know, Dune 2, you know, back in the days oh, yeah. and, and absolutely loving it. So, 
you know, you have me sold already on what you're trying to do. But, you know, obviously, you know, my kind of point of view is, is you know, with, you know, you as a client, you know, with Favro, but also I'm a, I'm a, you know, game investor. And I think what you're doing is very interesting and you have a very good, you know, like journey there right now. Um, can you just say like a little bit of kind of just how Frost Giant got together and, you know, how this, this all, you know, happened? Okay. Uh, well, our CEO and the game director are very fond of RTSs. Um, and so they were farming around to see, you know, pitching the game and seeing if somebody would pick it up. Uh, and it turned out that, you know, within Blizzard, um, that was something that they weren't trying to do anymore. So in this case, you know, Tim Morton, which is our production director here, uh, actually said, you know what, let's try it outside the field of the Blizzard family. And so we actually did a spinoff. And he started his own studio, got funding for the initial rounds, and then got a little bit more after that, after the buzz of the announcement of the studio happened. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's a whole plethora of finances and Series A going on and everything else. So, um, but that's kind of the humble beginnings, you know, it was really about the passion of, of basically the, the studio and really trying to form something that they truly believed in and doing it on their own because they wanted to do the next great RPS. Yeah, I guess this is why they never called me because if you do like a spin out of Blizzard, you say, hey, you know, we're, we're starting this new thing based on a deal we discovered within Blizzard. I want to raise some money. Um, you're going to get a lot of investors interested and they never called me. But um, you know what? I think that this is the beginning of such an interesting journey. And one of the things I learned uh, from both uh, working you know, before, you know, with Handsoft, I know that you have some experience with, and also, you know, now with Favro and, you know, and helping companies with production, you know, but also as, a, as, a, as an investor, you know, looking at, okay, how do we make this embryo of something interesting growing to something big? Is that, you know, it's, it's all about the team. But at the same time, you know, when I say that, it's such a cliche, right? Because if you have like a fireside chat at, any like tech conference and you ask a founder, you know, Hey, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the key to your success? You know, they're going to say, well, you know, it's a team. So what I would like to do today is just to go a little bit deeper on what that actually means, you know? Yeah. Uh, sure. So let, let's, let's start by when you think about talent and when you think about teams for you, uh, what is it that, you know, you're actually looking for, you know, what's like the top three, skills, experiences, you know, personal qualities that's important for you to feel like, yeah, this is going to be a great person for my team. Okay. Great question. Honestly, um, for us, we kind of lean towards, even in the interview process, we lean towards the, the company values. Um, so we talk about collaboration. It sounds really simple, but that's a big deal for us, especially in the gaming industry here and also being distributed. Uh, it's super key to be a part of that and have that be a forefront on the recruiting front for the interviews. Uh, additionally, uh, just being able to have mutual respect, making sure that every voice matters. Uh, that is extremely key, especially when you go back and forth on design specs and trying to get a game going and talking about a feature that you're passionate about. Being able to quantify that is very key. And then the other one I would definitely say is being inclusive as a team and a culture, uh, which also leads into work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a few things to drill down on there. So if we start with the last thing you said with kind of inclusion, I mean, how do you, um, how do you um, 
drive for that in the recruitment process? And how, how do you drive for that also when people are newly joined? Okay. Uh, for this, we have multiple flat platforms that we use. And a lot of times we use LinkedIn, we use a lot of our own social networks. But when we're looking for an inclusive team, we push on other platforms like Balance is one of them that we're recently using. Um, and that's something that we are really trying to lean into as well. And there's a couple other platforms that we're researching right now to get those, those team members that are diverse and really trying to be able to build the team to what we want to see. So I have, um, I have like a tough question for you on that. Are you ready? Sure, let's go. So, um, you know, I, I used to study um, uh, social psychology when I was back at the university. And I also did, uh, uh, I was working as a leadership trainer within the, in the Swedish Air Force. So the whole like thing around team composition was a big thing for me. And one of the things I learned then was that one of the reasons why teams are typically not very diverse, they're actually very homogeneous, is because it's actually great for productivity with a homogeneous team. If you already know each other, um, you know, it makes you, you, you kind of know how you work together. It, it actually makes you more productive. However, uh, if you have a team, the, the problem with that is, of course, that everyone thinks the same kind of thoughts. So you have a tendency to go in the same direction. And if you actually want to have some innovation going on, you need to have a team which is more diverse, right? Yes. Uh, so, so now you have the problem that, okay, well, if you want to have that creativity going on, uh, you need to have a diverse team. But if you want to have the productivity going on, you have to have homogeneity. And I was doing a lot of reading about this. Um, and the solution that I got from you know many of the scientific articles that I found was that the key thing was that you wanted to, people to unite around something else than just having started the same university or looking like each other or what you know whatever so you have to find something else that unites you now is that is that something that you would agree with or would you like kind of compare and contrast that a bit i, I would definitely agree i think in this case for us we're uniquely positioned to have the game itself be the thing that unites us uh, and a lot of times, maybe even if you're thinking more globally, just the game industry in general, doing something really cool that you're passionate about it might be the IP, the lore behind it, right? Or it yeah. could be just how the game actually plays is what we build off of as kind of like the, the ground that everybody has common footing on. So, yeah. And, and you know, um, can you go a little bit deeper into like how your onboarding process works? Because I think a lot of companies right now um, suddenly have to adjust to being more distributed by force of, you know, things going on. You know, my impression is that you were pretty good at this already at the start. Uh, so what advice would you give to everyone else in terms of how do you onboard people in a good way in, in a distributed team? I would definitely say it's unique. Uh, for our situation, a lot of times we start people on a Monday just because it's a lot easier. We have a team meeting at the start of the day. And we usually do introductions there and, and give the person kind of the hot seat to introduce themselves and talk, yeah. you know, say something about themselves, what game they love to play, why, why they joined the team, what, what made the leap for them. Um, and it starts there. But a lot of the times what we do is a team lunch. And I know that obviously being distributed, sometimes that just might mean that we do lunch together on a call. And from there, we all eat together and, and, and try our best not to always have an open mic, but be, yeah. be able to create that ability to talk just freely and not feel like you are stuck in your room, kind of making mm -hmm. a pseudo, 
as you would imagine, a pseudo lunch and COVID has taught us this, obviously, that having people on camera really does help the situation of feeling less alone, uh, being more part of the team. And that's kind of how we start the process. There is always an onboarding process that we have with the guys where we go through a checklist. But the, the biggest thing is we usually have a buddy with them. And so mm -hmm. if there's any questions, any concerns, we kind of go through the process of, hey, hit up your buddy first. And then from there, um, they'll answer the questions you need. And if it needs to go bigger, we have channels on Slack that we use a lot and we just go from there. So yeah. uh, I would say we also do events as well. Um, we do a lot of show and tells every other week and that helps to include the team as well on what they're doing. Um, and so that kind of also bridges the gap on like the first week to kind of see what people are working on as well. So I'll, I'll ask you a very tough question. Um, when, so, you know, the game industry, especially at the studio with the kind of ambition level that you have, it's pretty tough, right? And how, how long would you say that it takes you, you, not your company process, but you personally, to know if a person is going to make it or not? When you say make it, what do you mean? As in like... Be a well, being like, we're going to continue hiring this person. She or he will be successful. Uh, you know, we're going to invest in this person versus like, hmm, I think we're getting into the whole, you know, like course correction track. Gotcha. I would say the first month is always telling, you know, yeah. uh, the first six weeks is probably a better estimate. Uh, you know, obviously you want to, as best as you can, kind of assess every situation between the team meetings, the communications, uh, the updating things on Fabro as well, and just having those status updates yeah. uh, and then being efficient. Right. So I think four to six weeks is usually a telling sign on whether somebody is on track or not. Uh, yeah. Fabro is a great tool that we use, obviously, to understand that fairly easily. Uh, super adaptable. So that's something that is just kind of a tool in my toolbox. So would you say that, so, you know, me being a European here, I think many Europeans would say, okay, wow, that's such a short time. How can you know in such a short time? And, you know, having spent some time in San Francisco, I, I, I also realized that American culture is a little bit different here. So why is it so, why is it that, you know, it's very, because when you speak about this, it's very natural. You know, you're like, yeah, it's like four to six weeks, you know? But if I would ask someone in, you know, Berlin or in Stockholm, they would give a very different answer. And to be honest, most of the times they would not be able to say that they will know, you know, roughly within a month uh, if this is going to work out or not. They would say, oh, I probably need like six months. So why do you think this big difference is going on between the North America and, and, and Europe? I don't, that's a good question. Uh, I can only answer for myself, but I would say in this situation, I feel like you can definitely start to see trends starting to happen at that timeline, right? It doesn't mean that we're trying to get rid of somebody right away. It just means that we're starting to course correct, right? So yeah. We're trying to put gaps and pillars in place to make them successful, right? Because if they're already joining the team, they did something right to begin with. Uh, in this situation, obviously, there may be things where maybe I need to sit with them more and go over Fabro and why they're not using it as often. Or maybe the communications that we have is not something that they're accustomed to. So trying to get them familiar with the team or building a relationship might help them come out of their shell, right? Yeah. So it's not that we're trying to get rid of the person. It's more that we identify areas where we know that there's weaknesses and gaps and we start using really cool processes and tools to, in order to fill those to make sure that we're covered. Yeah. And how, if you think about the relationship between 
Okay, so let me start by with a question and then it's going to lead into more of our conversation. So would you say that, you know, in the team making the game, you are the ones responsible for making the right hire. So would you say it's more of an HR responsibility? And I, I think I already know the answer. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's an HR situation. It's more about the team, right? Yeah, yeah. They're going to interview the team. So in this situation, if the team is pleased with that person, then we go on and hire them. But it, it goes through, you know, several rounds, probably three in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, going through the game director, you know, the art director, the production director, uh, the discipline people that they are, if they're part of the engineering team, going with them, if they're game, you know, game client, and they talk to the game lead. Uh, yeah. that and, and so on, et cetera. So there's a, a good check and balance system there in order yeah. to make sure that we hire the right person and then that they're a good fit. So there's a, a lot of gates in that scenario to make sure that when we do hire somebody, uh, it is a good fit right off the bat and they are hitting the ground running as soon as they start. So how what would you say is like the key to having like a good relationship then with like HR and like talent management? I mean, what should, because I mean, I can give you an example from my own company. You know, we just expanded a lot into uh, Vilnius, building a lot of team there. And it's going to be an, an announcement in a few days telling how we're going to expand it way more. So I can't say too much about it right now. I'm, otherwise, my head of marketing will kill me. But um, the thing is that for us, HR is it's more like kind of like vetting them. And it's the formality sort of process but the decision is like truly with the ones who are leading the teams right and it sounds to me like you know you're thinking the same way so with that said uh let's say that you know um someone wants to be an assistant producer to you what would be like the process that that person would have to go through to really make it into a team and know like yeah i'm really contributing here okay uh, it's easy to speak about my role, so I'm glad you just pointed directly to that on my discipline. Uh, it would start off with a phone screening, uh, talking about a lot of questions on past experience, their passion, um, what do they want to do. Uh, one of my fun questions to break the ice would be, you know, you know, if you got to choose any hero in the Marvel Universe, what, who would that be and why? And it actually yeah. tells a lot about somebody, right? Yeah, so yeah. let's say, for instance, Patrick, you're saying, you know, I'm Captain America. Well, then you must be a really good leader. People like to follow you, right? Uh, you, you, you take it for the team in a lot of ways, right? If there's any problem solving, you're the first line of defense, right? So it tells me a lot about the person almost right off the bat. And it's an easy uh -huh. question. Everybody watches Marvel these days. Yeah. Uh, and if not, we go into DC if they're more DC fans, obviously. <laughs> I, could, I guess that could be a contentious point sometimes, uh, but very rare. Uh, and so we kind of start there, right? And if that part is good, then we move on to the next portions of the team, which would probably be the game director and the production director. Yeah. Um, uh, seeing if this case they are have a very inclusive culture in them and making sure that they are uh, really well-rounded and have that mutual respect that we're looking for. Um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about, you know, uh, an assistant producer, one of the key distinctions is, you know, knowing when to talk and lead and then knowing when to listen and follow, yeah. right? So in this situation, those two criteria that we were talking about for values really kind of stand out there to see yeah. if they can adapt to the questions and, and try to see if they get a good answer. So, so Jason, you know, what you said there, I think is so important because, you know, obviously, you know, this, this is a bias there thing, right? And, you know, Favreau, 
uh, is a sign for uh, teams where the leaders wants to be facilitators rather than dictators, right? So if you really want to be a dictator, you know, and you want to have centralized processes and you want to have tickets in a pile, centralized, you know, there are other tools for you. But if you want to have that, you know, decentralized approach to management and you want to have leaders, you know, who are uh, facilitators rather than dictators, I mean, it favors the thing for you. And what you described there is that, you know, that's important for you. But so how, how do you test that? You know, because, you know, you were saying that, you know, this person have to know when to listen and when to lead, which is a key thing. But it's such a, you know, if I would compare this to like, uh, let's say a pilot flying a plane, you have like three situations that are important. It's like takeoff, storm and landing. If you can make those well, you know, you're going to make this job well and you can sleep the rest of the time, really, you know? Right, um, right. It's like, so if you think about as a, as a, you know, being an assistant producer here, it's like that point when, you know, you need to like, okay, I'm going to listen, I'm going to lead, you know, what's going on. So key, right? Yeah. And so so how, how do you know that when someone is coming in? It's super hard. Yeah, I... There are some tricks in the interview process that you can do, but I, I think for that one, you can only test that so much in a short amount of time, right? Uh, in some cases for the interview process, what I would use is a multi-question scenario, seeing if they listen to the whole thing before they process an answer in their mind to speak to that first question only and then forget about the other second or third question. That's a really yeah. good way to understand that process and if they have that development. Um, that's just one trick there. Now, in the field, when you start on the game team, it would be really easy to see where you really should be listening right off the bat, right? And to see what the team needs. If you are an assistant producer on the art team, right? You can start to see just by observing what's happening in the field, whether or not they need something. Hey, they're, they're not sure what their next milestone is, right? Well, then maybe you should yeah. have a production schedule to help them with that. Or what is the next milestone, right? Are we doing a, a cinematic? Or are we doing a, an announcement trailer, right? And if that's the case, what are those acceptance criteria? Um, and then you can start supporting from there. But in a lot of ways, when you start at the company, listening is key right off the bat. Because if you just plug a process in, you don't know if the team's going to adapt to it because they're not 100% bought in, right? Yeah. Um, so the beginning is really about building that relationship and listening to the team so that they feel supported. And in a lot of ways, that creates the first bond. And then yeah. from there, you start building off that and creating processes, which will then show that you're leading the team to gaps that they're missing. And they maybe didn't know that they needed, but it makes them a lot better. Yeah. So taking what you just said, I have two tough questions for you. Are you ready for the first one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, you know, and I, I don't want you to get into any kind of trouble with your HR. Okay. But, you know, you as a person who is ultimately responsible for the performance of the people in your team, what would you tell like HR teams being responsible for, you know, you know the first steps of the funnel when recruiting talent? What would you tell them, like, you know, hey, this is one thing you can do better. So, like, those kind of like shortlisted candidates, because presented to me, will be even better. I would, I would say passion is probably the number one thing, right? Because in, in some cases, maybe they are not, you know, an RTS fan, but they just love gaming. And they think the yeah. RTS field is just a really good place to show their craft. Yeah. Um, I would say we don't close the door just because you don't have experience in the RTS field or even in some ways, maybe don't have an experience in the industry. We have several associates here that are just doing amazing right now. 
So it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be a veteran. Everybody needs to have 10 years plus on their resume. They need to do pathfinding for another game in an RTS world like Command and Conquer or StarCraft or something like that and have a huge yeah. pedigree. Um, for us, it's, it's really just trying to make sure that we have the right people that are both passionate, but also are hungry. So. And are you ready for my second tough question? Yeah. yeah. So let's say that you have someone you truly believe in. Mm -hmm. It's a talented person. But this person is going the wrong direction. How, what, what is your, like your, 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 your trick or your style to course correct? I would say, you know, not everybody's a fan of this, but I'm, I'm big on relationships. And, and coming from Blizzard, it's all about relationships. That was something yeah. that was really taught to us. Um, so building rapport with somebody is key. So I tend to do a lot of one-on-ones walking around our facility, you know, um, having a cup of tea together or maybe going to get a Starbucks run yeah. and getting some coffee. Um, when you do that, it, it tends to do a couple of things, right? They, they talk about people opening up when you are not looking directly at each other. That's why yeah. a lot of times in car rides and road trips there, you get a lot of intimate conversation because you're looking at the road and not at each other. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. a little bit less awkward. Um, and so for me, trying to create that environment where we would be able to candidly talk on a walk, it's easy to look around and not look at each other. Right. Yeah. When you get coffee. You're waiting in line, looking at a menu and having that short conversation in between as you're waiting to get to the front, right? So that is the start of the situation on understanding kind of where their headspace is. Yeah. Then after that, trying to, to deliver the news that, hey, maybe you're a little bit under on the performance of, you know, velocity for a lot of the tasks that you're doing. Hey, what's going on? And getting their feedback first, not accusing yeah. of anything, just saying, hey, it feels like you're a little bit off on your estimates. Uh, what's going on here? And then they would hopefully explain whether it's, you know, something personal that's happening to them and it's hard right now, you know, with the kids and daycare and COVID, you know, I'm having a hard time juggling between the two. And it's like, okay, cool. I respect that. You know, we'll figure something out. Maybe working from home a couple more days would help you in that situation to alleviate that, that burden. Or, yeah. And in some cases, it's just like, I don't have very good support when I have problems in relation to hitting a, a roadblock in the code that I'm working on. And it's like, well, yeah. we just need to find a better partner for you that you can just bounce ideas off of and start brainstorming and starting to go through that process in your head before you write it in code. And then that way you'll go through those pitfalls before you even get there. Um, yeah. So it's just really trying to identify that problem in a very, very neutral environment and then making it feel really easy to be able to listen in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great input. And, you know, Jason, you have to admit, it's, it's quite fun leading a team of brilliant developers, right? Yes, yes, it yeah. is. You know, yeah. it's not without challenges, but it's fun. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I feel very blessed. Uh, yeah. Obviously, some of the people here are huge pedigrees, and they all love RTS. So for me, it's just a dream come true. Uh, fantastic. So with those words, I think we can f you know, finish this um, uh, podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.